Sarcoma Insight. Sarcoma Insight, this is our destination for education for both benign and malignant tumors. Uh, Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode where we will be discussing unicameral bone cysts or UBCs and aneurysmal bone cysts or ABCs. Our previous episode prior to today's was with uh, Brandy Benson, an amazing sarcoma survivor and warrior um, who's accomplished many things since uh, her diagnosis. And it was so amazing to have her share her story with us. I know that uh, Elise and I were very uh, moved um, by her story. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're looking forward to bringing her back to the show at some point hearing the rest of the story. I feel like we only got a taste of, you know, the first part of many parts. We'd definitely love to have her back to hear a little bit more um, for, for part two and more. So, Elise, how have you been? Uh, what have you been up to these days? Uh, I've been good. Just celebrated Mother's Day recently with with my mom. Um, that was the first time I think I'd been able to do that in a few years at least. Um, but that was nice. And my birthday happens to be around that time as well. So. Good to see uh, my parents and get to show them the new city I live in. And uh, we had a really nice time. How about you, Isu? Happy belated uh, to you, Elise. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, In terms of what I've been up to, uh, mostly work. I had the opportunity to attend a few conferences lately. I did have a fun trip. I I went down to Coachella for the weekend. Oh, very cool. Who was your favorite artist that you saw? Or what was your, um, the best show? I, I, you know, I mean, um, hmm. there were a lot of great shows. Yeah, I, I'll say politically correct. I mean, there were a lot of artists performing. You know, there was uh, Megan Thee Stallion, Lil Baby, Harry Styles. I think uh, some other guys. Uh, it was it was uh, some guys and, and women. It was it was an excellent experience because I'm not really a festival kind yeah. of person um i don't like big crowds but you know it was it was uh an experience yeah i uh i've only been once but it was uh in college so it's been been a while or not that long you know just <laughs> just a couple oh, of years you went, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i guess you, you're from california right so correct right yeah yeah so but, uh, that's that's the uh, it's like yeah. a pilgrimage for all the young people in California. They have to go to Coachella one time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think they're fun. I like live music a lot. Um, I, I've i really missed that since uh, during the pandemic, for sure. But uh, I think the festivals are nice because you get to see so many different artists um, that you wouldn't normally see together in the same experience. And I just think, you know, getting to get exposed to all those different kinds of uh, genres at the same time is really really great and you always have surprises from people you had never even heard of before maybe and have a great time watching them perform so it's a great way to learn more about new artists as well yeah i definitely missed all the surprises kendrick lamar came out i missed <laughs> that i mean but 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 it's okay um i had a great time and you know as part of uh and one of my recent trips uh was to um a conference with uh other orthopedic oncologists, uh, which will end up being our next episode, and I was to jump ahead and really where we got the chance to have an uh, episode where we asked the experts 
um, and really took some questions from our Instagram followers and discussed it in a room filled with sarcoma surgeons. That's great. I'm looking forward to, to hearing that myself. I wish I could have been there, but uh, sounds like it was great. I, I think we should also mention our, our very exciting news at this point as well for, for today or this week. Um, and, you know, all the things we've been talking about are just a great example of how much we've grown since our very first release of our first episode. It's been yeah. one year now at this point. So we're very excited to celebrate that anniversary at the same time as Mother's Day and my birthday. So three very oh. important anniversaries. <laughs> holidays. <laughs> just kidding. Okay. But and 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 yes, I mean, and I would like to take this opportunity. It really takes an entire team, and you guys uh, get to hear, uh, you know, Elise and I. But we have a wonderful team that we work with regularly that uh, works tirelessly to bring us the episode um, episodes and manage our, our media marketing uh, as well. And I just wanted to take a moment to uh, say a big thank you uh, to the rest of the team, especially uh, Caleb Bray and TJ Oshinkoya, um, who work with us day in, day out uh, to make this happen. Let's get to the uh, episode uh, for today. And um, first we'll start, you know, we are doing a bit of an alphabet soup today, ABC, UBC, can sound a little confusing. And so um, we'll try to alternate between both, but the goal will be to make them clear to everyone listening today. So what is a UBC? So a UBC is a unicameral bone cyst. That's what UBC stands for, sometimes called a simple cyst. Uh, This is typically a cyst in the bone that's filled with fluid. It can be one cavity or occasionally can be septated, meaning there's multiple compartments um, within the cyst. But this is a benign bone tumor um, that we often see in younger patients, um, children or young adults. And then on the opposite side, where, well, not really opposite side of the spectrum, but in the same line, um, we have ABCs. So easy you want to tell us what an ABC is and what that stands for. Right. And I would agree with you uh, in definitely same line in that these are both cysts, um, uh, which means that they're benign, all right, uh, and non-neoplastic, so they they're non-cancerous. And the aneurysmal bone cyst uh, is called that because it's it's made up of blood-filled sacs, right? So the cyst for a UBC, a unicameral bone cyst or a simple cyst, um, is of a, a fluid-filled cyst, whereas in this case of an aneurysmal bone cyst, what's within that cyst is mostly blood, all right? Um, you already went into uh, at least a bit about who is most likely to get this, and it's a very, very similar age group, and so it's usually common in children um, and young adults, and the same goes for the other. I think what's important to note here, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more going forward as we're, uh, we get into the details of UBC and ABC, but this is specific to ABC 
as a primary lesion, but it's very common for us to actually see secondary ABCs, meaning that they're associated with another type of bone tumor, which could be benign or malignant. So it's unfortunately can be a great mimicker. So it's important for us as clinicians to understand that when the radiologist maybe gives a diagnosis of ABC in an older patient where this doesn't really fit with the classic uh, demographic, then there might be something else afoot. So some additional testing is important. Um, But yeah, and so kind of moving on to our next category that we usually talk about, but where, where in the body do these tumors occur? And maybe we'll go back, we'll have you talk more about ABCs and I'll stick with UBCs. So tell us where ABCs uh, typically occur. Outside of the alphabet, um, probably, uh, that's such a terrible joke, huh? <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> All right. uh, so uh, locations in the body are very common. Uh, to the distal uh, femur, so proximal tibia, so around the knee, the proximal humerus, so the upper part of the arm. And they're also common in the spine. Uh, And the thing with ABCs is that they, although they're benign, they're usually locally destructive. So they cause a lot of trouble in the area that they are. And you can start to imagine when they're in an area like the spine where there's not a lot of space, it can very much uh, start to become a very painful problem relatively quickly. And this is a theme that we see with a lot of even benign tumors that although they are benign, they can cause problems depending on where they are. It's also important to note that the uh, ABCs occur in the metaphysis or the metaphyseal region. And we've talked about this in previous episodes. When we look at bones, any long bones, we break them down to in different segments. The epiphysis, usually the top where there is a joint, so like your shoulder or your hip joint, right below that or distal to that or following that is the metaphysis. And then the shaft of the long bone where the bone narrows out, it's usually called the diaphysis. So um, where would... UBCs occur in the body, Elise? Yeah. So for UBCs, similarly, we typically see them in the metaphyseal region in long bones. Um, But some overlap in terms of the location. um, But in general, some of the more common locations in which we see them are the proximal humerus, so the upper part of the arm bone near the shoulder proximal femur, which is the upper part of the thigh bone near the hip, Um, the ilium, which is the bony part of your pelvis that you can feel kind of on the outside part of your your hip region, Uh, and then the calcaneus, which is the heel bone. These are some of the more common locations in which we can see UBCs or unicameral bones. And uh, kind of moving on then, so what what do these patients look like when they come to the office? How how would a patient with a an ABC, for example, typically present? Yeah, so I'm probably the most common would be pain, uh, because these can get large, 
uh, and they're locally aggressive, uh, you can't have uh, pain in the area. And like we talked about previously, um, in the spine as well, they can cause pain. Um, whereas in, say, a patient who presents or person who has a simple bone cyst or the unicameral type, uh, patients often have these found accidentally. So having you know an image for any other reason can show it. But in a subset of people, estimated sometimes to be about two-thirds of the population of unicameral bone cysts, uh, there can be a fracture uh, at the time of presentation from the weaken, weakening of the bone because of the cyst wall. And the term for that is really a pathologic fracture, which is a very important term, I think, for any um, tumor oncology uh, process. And, you know, I think we probably should spend a little time explaining uh, what that is, uh, at least. Yeah, yeah. So pathologic fracture, it's not specific to a fracture in the setting of a bone cyst like we're talking about today, but really any lesion in the bone uh, that can weaken the bone. So the most common setting in which we hear about pathologic fracture is actually related to metastatic bone disease, typically, where there's a lesion in the bone related to a site that a primary cancer has spread to, um, such as a, a carcinoma, like lung cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer, kidney cancer, et cetera, um, where it creates a weak area of the bone um, that leads to pain and sometimes eventually fracture. So that's where we see it the most. But um, to simplify it uh, as a, in general, um, it's a term used to describe an area where uh, the bone has broken because of an abnormal process going on within it that could be benign or malignant which could be either, again, a primary or metastatic process. Um, and then uh, the other kind of pathologic fractures that we see are sometimes related to um, medication use or other um, metabolic bone disease, uh, for example. So again, not necessarily a malignancy per se, but um, a tumor-adjacent type of process that goes on within the bone. Yeah. Yeah, and for if someone was to present with one of these diagnoses, what uh, imaging studies would you want to obtain, and what are some of the things that you might see uh, on these different studies? Yeah, so I think um, you know our, our listeners might get the theme by now that for patients where there's uh, pain or a suspected process within the bone, the first type of imaging that we typically obtain is an x-ray or a radiograph. Um, and so in a UBC, what a radiograph might show and what we consider to be pathognomonic for a UBC, meaning it's essentially diagnostic just on its own, is what's called a fallen leaf sign, which is where a portion of the lining of the cyst has broken uh, into the cyst cavity itself. And so we see a small, uh, thin shell of bone that's within the, the cyst space uh, on the x-rays. Um, 
but otherwise it looks like a loosened or uh, lytic lesion of the bone where there's uh, a hole within the bone essentially and a thin rim of bone that's uh, on the outside of, of uh, that lesion or cyst. Um, if the x-ray is consistent with a likely bone cyst, then we may get advanced imaging either in the form of a CT scan or an MRI. Um, on a CT scan, we'll see a thick-walled bone cyst uh, and can describe the anatomic boundaries a little bit better than an x-ray can. Um, and the thickness of the, the walls of the cyst can also help us account for the likelihood of potential pathologic fracture um, in helping to create a treatment plan for these patients. Um, on MRI, uh, the most important thing that we see typically is that, again, this is a fluid-filled cyst. So uh, the T2 sequence, which uh, highlights fluid, uh, it will be very bright within the, the uh, center of the lesion or the cyst and is pretty homogeneous, meaning it looks the same throughout. So those are some of the important characteristics that we see for UBC or unicameral bone cysts. And then what about for ABC? What would the X-ray and possibly CT or MRI show uh, for those patients? Um, so I think at this time, you, know, you might be starting to form a picture of both of these, um, the UBC and the ABC, with the ABC being slightly, uh, I guess, maybe more problematic. Uh, we have mentioned that it can be uh, sort of locally problematic. It can be expensive, um, and it can sometimes mimic other diagnoses. So if you would get an x-ray of this, you would see that. So when we say expensive, it would be expanding the bone or larger than the size that it should be. Um, it also causes... Um, a lytic area, so it's an area where there's no bone on the x-ray, and sort of uh, the UBC might show give you that as well, because um, the x-ray only picks up very dense things, and so fluids are not very dense, so it would appear as a space within the bone, and so that's what that lytic means. Um, and for these, the CT can be obtained, but usually the MRI is probably the next important study. And the MRI has that similar brightness on T2, but the important thing that demarcates the ABC from different lesions are that it has what's called a fluid-fluid level, also known as a double-density level. Because um, the SACS, now the cyst, is mostly blood-filled, um, when the blood settles, um, it often would give you two different levels on the MRI. And, and that is something that is pretty diagnostic for an ABC on MRI imaging. Yeah, definitely. I think that hopefully creates a, a picture for uh, a lot of our listeners. Um, you know, those descriptions of the differences between the two processes you may have heard some similarities, but we try to highlight the things that really separate these two uh, diagnoses. And um, just to highlight again, I'd say that the expansile nature of ABC is critical. So 
typically the contour of the bone is abnormal or larger than it should be in that fluid fluid level those are what really separate abc from ubc um, and we already touched on this a little bit i i alluded to this earlier but in abc's uh transform and become malignant or cancerous or does an abc does that mean that this is just a benign process if you see this in any patient that comes into your office or what else could be going on right so for what we know from what we know and our common knowledge abcs are benign entities often in medicine uh rarities can occur so um could there be a certain one uh or a few situations where that might have converted uh potentially but our general knowledge is that abcs are benign uh, and they are not malignant uh, the ubcs are also benign and not malignant but we do know that the abcs can mimic other malignancies because um because they are made of blood-filled areas a malignant cancers can also lead to a lot of bleeding in the area and that bleeding can then mimic what an abc would as well and so that is something that we have to be cognizant about when you see an abc to think of our differential diagnosis and what else it could be based on the location and the imaging findings and consider about any possible interventions that need to be performed for, uh, as well. Speaking of differential diagnoses, you were going to say the same thing, huh? So UBC, I think the other big thing on the differential for patients to present with, with uh, uh, imaging that could be concerning for a UBC uh, typically, the other thing we might be talking about on the differential would be an NOF or non-ossifying fibroma. Again, to add to the alphabet soup, um, uh, but that's that's the other major uh, uh, player on the differential diagnosis for UBC. And now back to you, Izu, to tell us about the differential diagnosis for ABC. Wow, you just uh, boomeranged my question uh, right back to me. Um, so probably one of uh, the ones, uh, common ones that, that can be your, what's called, a, you know, a giant cell tumor uh, or GCT, even with the alphabet soup theme. Exactly. I was hoping you would say that. There you go. Um, and, uh, and GCT will be one of our future episodes. Um, and... Uh, along with that uh, is a telangiectatic osteosarcoma. We have talked about osteosarcomas in the past. Um, but the telangiectatic kind um, creates a lot of blood vessels and a lot of bleeding, and it can very much mimic an ABC. And also another one to think about is what's called an eosinophilic granuloma, or EG. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Alphabet yeah. soup today. You uh, you did warn everyone, but yeah, and it, and again, I think I'll just highlight. So, it the, there are secondary ABCs in these circumstances. So, it, it's not necessarily that there is not an ABC, but it's an ABC associated with something else, one of these other diagnoses. So, again, especially when it's a patient who's not of the right age um, for presentation for a. ABC on its own, we really need to be thinking about uh, 
these other diagnoses. And then especially for older patients, I'd put metastasis on the list as well. And so I think moving on, we've talked a lot about how these patients present, uh, what the difference between these two types of cysts are, uh, and differential diagnosis. But once we do establish that the diagnosis is either UBC or ABC, um, what are the treatment options that we might be talking to our patients about? So I, I think because the ABCs do come with a differential of some things that can be non-benign, uh, something that's considered a lot for them are biopsies. Um, and once these are confirmed to be solitary ABCs and nothing else, then uh, often the treatment for them is uh, curatage, which is removal of the area that's affected. And once that's done, often the bone uh, is weakened and needs some sort of stabilization or additional way of strengthening the bone. Um, and this is dependent on the treating physician. Uh, and that's usually the manner in which that is done. There are other techniques that are considered sometimes because they are blood-filled, uh, trying to go after the blood vessels that are nearby to prevent them from uh, feeding the ABC and decreasing blood to the area as well. But we do know that in order to remove that area that's affected, often surgery is needed. Uh, in the setting of an ABC, there uh, can be uh, rates of recurrence, uh, which is the, the lesion coming back, and that has been estimated to be anywhere from about 10 to 20%. And what about UBCs? Yeah, so for UBCs, uh, as we mentioned, they can present either just with pain or sometimes they're identified incidentally, meaning that imaging was obtained for another reason and happened to identify this. Um, but they can also occur in the setting of a fracture, which uh, is not uncommon for these patients. But if it is identified uh, prior to the point of pathologic fracture, then these lesions actually can sometimes spontaneously resolve. Uh, so again, we talked about evaluating the risk for fracture, and that's dependent on the size, the location, uh, the potentially the walls uh, thickness on CT scan. Some of these things can be useful in determining that risk of fracture, but usually we uh, uh, can sometimes offer closed surveillance with imaging to see if this does either progress or spontaneously resolve without a surgical intervention. But if patients become progressively more symptomatic with worsening pain, particularly functional pain, um, or if we think that risk of fracture is too high or the treatment of the fracture would be uh, especially challenging, again, due to characteristics of the lesion itself, then we may talk about surgical treatment with curatage and fixation, fairly similar to what we would do for uh, an ABC. Um, you mentioned about a recurrence rate being somewhat high in patients with ABC. And uh, this is something that we think about in patients with UBC as well. So for UBC, we know that uh, uh, the recurrence rate is typically higher in patients who are younger. 
um, that these uh, this this lesion might come back in the future in these um, uh, uh, young children that we see with a UBC. Yes, and I and I think that's a very important point. And often the younger the patient and presentation, um, the more likely uh, that it, it can recur prior to the uh, stages of uh, bone maturity. Um, question for you, uh, for I don't, I'm, I don't think you talked about this, but uh, for patients who do present with the fracture, would you be planning to do surgery immediately uh, on them, or do you, would you plan to wait it out uh, prior to any intervention? Yeah, uh, and I think that's a good question. Um, again, I think it's hard to generalize for all patients because there's a lot of factors that. Uh, go into play here. These uh, could potentially heal depending on the degree of deformity and location of the lesion and, um, again, just patient characteristics. So uh, it's possible that these are able to be treated um, uh, without surgery or at least without uh, an incision, I would say. So sometimes we can use casting uh, depending on the location of the lesion, even if a fracture is present. So um, that's something that we keep in mind as well. So everyone's a little bit different. Um, and I know we always end our episodes the same way, but individual recommendations and discussion with your surgeon about treatment options is uh, very important, but especially for, for these patients. Um, any other thoughts on on that? Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. Uh, and then, sort of the <clears throat> one of the last things to touch to, uh, to touch upon is how we follow patients, either um, especially after treatment with this. Uh, and and uh, you know, it's usually with zero imaging studies, uh, mostly with X-rays, uh, and this is to see if the lesion starts to come back at all. In some, in some people, you can start to have new symptoms or the previous symptoms, such as pain, uh, start to recur. And then you would start to uh, worry about uh, the lesion coming back, especially if it was an ABC. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and close surveillance can be really important when these are identified, particularly uh, when they're symptomatic. Um, regardless of whether surgical treatment is uh, opted for or not. Um, but that recurrence rate is really important to be aware of. And so even if uh, someone's treated with curatage and fixation, post-surveillance, at least initially, is uh, an incredibly important part of the care of patients who have this diagnosis. Great. Well, um, I think Hopefully, we've sufficiently confused everyone with the alphabet soup today. Um, <laughs> we try not to use uh, just letters alone when we're defining topics too often, but um, hopefully, we've summarized uh, the differences between UBC or unicameral bone cyst and ABC or aneurysmal bone cyst, well, for everyone listening today, um, as well as the many <laughs> other letters that we covered. Um, so I'll 
again, keeping with the theme, I will summarize some of the points that we talked about for UBCs, and then I'll let Easy talk about some of the highlights of the episode for ABCs. So UBCs are benign bone lesions that occur typically in children or young adults. This is a fluid-filled bone cyst, and the pathognomonic finding that we will see on imaging or x-ray is a fallen leaf sign in the setting of a pathologic fracture, which we defined in the episode today as a fracture due to a weakening from an abnormal process going on in the bone. Again, not specific to bone cysts that we talked about today, but any sort of lesion that could occur in the bone. And then easy, let's, uh, you want to round out some of the highlights about uh, ABCs that we discussed today? Yeah. Aneurysmal bone cysts, they're blood-filled cysts. Um, And as a result, because they are bloody, they can mimic or be associated with other entities, some which can be malignant, like, um, or the term for that would be other entities have secondary ABCs within them that can uh, make them be mistaken for a simple aneurysmal bone cyst. Um, <clears throat> and we, and that is probably the most important thing to know about these. And when we see them on the MRI, we have that um, fluid fluid level or the double density um, on the imaging finding. That brings a conclusion to our episode. It is important to note that every patient's case is unique and treatment for each diagnosis dependent on the discussion with your team of physicians. If you would like more information, please feel free to check out the link on the episode description. This is where we place uh, articles that can be very helpful in explaining the topics if you need any additional information. Um, The article uh, for this episode actually was uh, authored by one of our our previous uh, guests, Dr. Kemp. Um, And we would like to thank you for listening to this episode of Sarcoma Insight. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure to hit subscribe, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, feel free to leave reviews for us. Our next episode will be Ask the Expert segment that was uh, performed at the recent uh, Toronto Fellows Sarcoma Conference. And uh, this is a compilation of questions obtained from our uh, own followers on the Instagram Wow, I sound like an old person on the Instagram, uh, and uh, and we <laughs> and and that episode uh, will be coming to you next. Hopefully, from that conversation, we'll uh, identify some future guests who will be coming on the show as well. Absolutely, and uh, that is correct. So excited! This we've been a year uh, at this. Uh, it's been uh, wonderful hosting the uh, shows, uh, the episodes with you, Elise. Uh, and all our off-air discussions as well. <laughs> yes, there are many off-air discussions and all of the commentary that doesn't make it to each episode. But yes, it's been a wonderful year, and we're looking forward to bringing you even more exciting topics and guests uh, as our second year um, begins. So, yeah, and thank you to all our listeners and our definitely. supporters. We appreciate you so much. You allow us to do what we do, um, despite um, us having sort of full work schedules, we 
uh, we're able to muster up additional energy to do it all. And, uh, and uh, it's all because of you as at least you So uh, thank you. Thank you all. Sarcoma Insight.